Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Raglan, who does sports for the Plano Star Courier, Allen American, and Lake City Sun, as well as Devin Hassan, sports editor for the Mesquite News and the Rowlett Lakeshore Times. Gentlemen, week three of the high school football season is upon us. Kicks off tomorrow night, so let's take a look at uh, some of the marquee games that are on the docket in our coverage area. As, um, as has been the case these last couple weeks, we're going to center the first part on what was voted by the readers as our game of the week, and then we're going to quick hit some of the other marquee matchups on the back end of the podcast. Um, first off, thank you to everybody who voted in this week's uh, game of the week poll—a very, very contentious poll. Um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of social media support. You even had some like Allen Plano fans going back and forth with each other. Of course, that's nothing new. But um, in the end, the uh, the game of the week with uh, just over fifty percent of the vote. We really haven't had one of these just go down with a wire yet. It's always been one game that yeah. just surged just ahead of the pack. I think they chose right this week, too. This is a quality right, game, in for my sure. opinion. Yeah, we had some quality selections, too. Um, your game of the week, though, Friday, 7 p.m. out at Williams Stadium in Garland, Plano East versus Saxe. Should be a fun one between the, uh, the Panthers and the Mustangs. Two teams that, um, however, if you look at this matchup on paper simply by win-loss records, it might not immediately jump off the page, but make no mistake, this is a, uh, yeah, Saxe is not your, they are not your average, um, you know, 0-2 team. Plano East carrying a 2-0 record into this one. Um, this is a, uh, a fascinating game for a number of reasons. I think very much kind of a, a litmus test game for, uh, for Plano East after a pair of convincing wins over LD Bell and Lake mm-hmm. Highlands. Um, obviously, Taylor, you've been on the Plano East beat this season. Devin, you're doing your thing with Saxe. Taylor, you actually got to see both of these teams mm-hmm. back-to-back on Saturday. Yep. They both uh, they both took place at the, at the Cotton Bowl last Saturday at the Cotton Bowl Prep Showcase. Um, what were your kind of impressions just on that uh, kind of that day as a whole, getting your first look at Saxe and just Plano East and just what were your initial impressions coming into this, uh, into this matchup? Well, I guess the first thing about Friday is exactly what you said. This is not a typical 2-0 versus 0-2 because mm-hmm. I think Saxe is a 
really, really strong 0-2 in Plano East. Not a week 2-0. There is no such thing as a week 2-0. I mean, you, wins are wins. But LD Bell and, and Lake Highlands were certainly games that Plano East was you know favored in and, and should have won, and they took care of business. Yeah. So the records, um, not to use the, the most egregious cliche ever, but just throw them out because I, I think this game is, is a lot closer than, than it may appear just by that. Um, as far as East on, on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl, I actually thought Lake Highlands might be a little more competitive than than uh, than it was against Plano East. I think the Plano East offense, um, they came out and scored, I believe, 22 points uh, in the first quarter alone, and, and it was just never really close from there. It was 36 nothing, which is not close, but it was it was even more lopsided than that, I think, um, because you know Plano East kind of you know started running the ball a little bit. They don't get too far away from from what they do, uh, no matter what the score is, which is pretty interesting because they're a team that really likes to balance the run in the pass, um, and they never really stray too far from that. They're definitely not a team that's going to get up, you know, 21 nothing, 28 nothing, and then just hand the ball off every single play. That's not who they are. So kind of a little bit of that. Um, defense looked good again. Obviously pitching the shutout in, in a rain-shortened game. Uh, secondary looks really good. You were on the field and, and were telling me about a couple of Tyler Owens hits that, that resonated a little bit there in the terrifying. Cotton Bowl. So, <laughs> so I mean, Plano East kind of did what we expected You know, through the first two weeks. They took care of opponents that they should have. Um, and their offense, especially their passing game, looks looks prolific. I think they can they can throw on pretty much anybody, and it comes down to um, how teams handle the running game because Plano East really likes to set up that passing game off the running game, off the play action, mm-hmm. um, which is you know transitioning to Saxe, something that the Mustangs might be able to do because I think Saxe has a really really impressive defensive unit as a whole, but also a really good defensive front. So if that front, you know, if, if they can get in the box and stop the run, um, then it becomes you know about the Plano East passing game perhaps even more. You know, but at the same time, that's you know, you put the ball in Brandon Mallory's hands, throwing to Jalen Anderson or Braylon Henderson. Sometimes that's just good enough, anyway. Yeah. Um, but looking at Saxe, zero uh, and two, like we mentioned, um, but a really, really strong zero and two. Definitely one of the best zero and twos in the area, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, a, a heartbreaker loss to uh, Capel on a field goal, fifty-seven yarder. I mean, you can't. There's no. There's no way you can plan for something like that, and there's no way you can necessarily count that as a strike against Saxe. I mean, that's just you know, divine intervention almost for. For that kicker for Coppell that you know missed the missed the field goal or the extra point uh, last season and, and had his redemption story, so definitely not a mark against Mustangs there. And then they took on uh, U.S. Trinity at the Cotton Bowl, another program that you know they they played tight. It was twenty to fourteen. Um, the difference in that game was uh, sexy quarterback Anthony Beltran had two picks to go with his two touchdowns, and I think that was probably the difference, especially a critical pick late. They were down six uh, with a chance to drive down and win the game um, with a touchdown and an extra point, uh, and they had a pick thrown on the final drive. So. That's that's kind of I think the key for me with Saxe. Uh, if they want to come out and beat East, East has a, a, a much improved defense and a good secondary. So they're going to have to figure out the quarterback play, um, not turn the ball over and, and put the ball back in the hands of the Plano East offense because that's a recipe for you know you turn the ball over with a pick, Plano East gets the ball at their own forty, and all of a sudden they throw a fifty-five yard pass and and they're going to go down and score and, and you're down seven more points out of nowhere. So I think if Saxe can get solid 
solid quarterback play and, and play well on defense to, to kind of limit East to either the run or the pass, then that's kind of their route to victory for me. Saxe's 0-2. Uh, like I mentioned the losses to Capel to Euless Trinity. Obviously, no, no, no slouches there. <laughs> and those losses came by a combined eight points. You yeah. Know, 30 to 28, 20 it's a to 14. Schedule. So, I mean, they're showing that they can they can hang with the with the yeah. area's elite. I mean, which is, I mean, that's big for them considering what they graduated from last season. Now the thing is, is these are games that they've been in in the fourth quarter. It's being able to get over that hump and make those plays late because a lot of these games have come down to the wire. It wasn't like they were down big and had to rally, you know. Nope. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were they hung tough with I mean, they started out great against Trinity. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I mean, you're down there in the field, and they really, I mean, they were taking it to them. They were blowing Their them off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they, they could easily be 2-0. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's interesting, too, because it's two separate approaches to the non-district schedule, mm-hmm. I think. Saxe has lined up, we're going to go play the best teams in the area and gear up for district that way. Mm-hmm. While East has played, you know, programs that have been competitive in the past, but games that they, you know, were favored in and should win, especially the first two weeks. And now we're trying to gear up with one, you know, kind of litmus test, yeah. like you said, heading into district instead of all three being that way. So, Devin, what has just been your kind of general read on what you've seen out of Saxe and just how the Mustangs have, you know, it's been a, as I said, it's an 0 2 start, but really not, you know, not so much because this is a team that you said could very well be 2 0 if a couple things bounce their way. Well, first off, some numbers because I like numbers. Absolutely. Who doesn't um, like numbers? Saxe had won 12 straight non district games. Their last loss back in 2014 against Plano West, the Soso Jamabo yes. 469 mm-hmm. yards touchdown right. game. That was that game. <laughs> it was 63 to 49. A top 10 all timer, I believe. Yes. 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 And um, outside of that, in their last 25 God. non-district games, they were 24 and one, and only four of those had been decided by single digits. They've never started 0 and 2. Not only have they never started 0 and 2, they've never lost two non-district games in a season. Mm-hmm. So even back when they were going 2 and 8, 3 and 7. They were winning early in the season. Now, a lot of that is due to scheduling. But this year, they stepped it up considerably with two of the areas elite. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously had a chance to win both. And rather than cruising a district at 3-0 and with you know, three or four, 51 nothing, 54 nothing victories. I think they learned a lot more about themselves, measuring themselves up against, uh, you know, Coppell and Kazilos mm-hmm. Trinity. Mm-hmm. And that's going to pay far greater dividends down the road. Yeah. You know, that being said, I think they're still, if you look at their numbers, they're not terrible. You know, Anthony Beltran, and to a lesser extent, Xavier Foreman, who's only been three passes. You know, they're completing 63% of their passes for about 11 yards per clip, for, per completion. That's not bad. They're running back stable. You know, Miles Nash, K.J. Williams, Sean Coleman, they've used several different guys. Mm-hmm. They're averaging 4.1 yards carry. That's kind of what you're looking for is in that range as far as an average goes. Uh, you know, they've got options on the outside. Derrick Rose is off to a nice start to the season. Uh, Cameron Cromer, mm-hmm. Trent Dean. Their offensive line has played well, mm-hmm. arguably. It's just a matter of sustaining drives and, and kind of developing that rhythm with Anthony Beltran as the new quarterback. If you look at their positions against Coppell, nine possessions, three three-and-outs, five five-plays or less. Trinity, 11 possessions, four three-and-outs, seven five-plays or less. Yeah. Now, they're used to three and four and five-play drives, but they're used to scoring right. That's they end somewhere other than the the 40-yard line. Yeah, and so, you know, it's they've hurt themselves. They've had 18 penalties through the first two games, and that stalled some drives. But that's really where you're kind of looking. The last three years, they had Jalen Maiden at quarterback. And when you're facing a third and one, or if you're facing a third and eight, he was a guy that if a play broke down, he could pick it up with his legs, improvise, and move the chains. They're still looking for Without him, you know, they don't have a player with that same ability to do that. So, you know, they're just trying to develop that identity and kind of develop just some rhythm because the tools are there. They've got a lot of talent on the side of the ball. 
Right. Well, I mean, if you look at, at Beltron's line just in the just in the Trinity game, if you if you cover up the interceptions, <laughs> seventeen for twenty five, sixty eight percent of his passes, hundred seventy eight yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. That is a perfectly serviceable line that'll win a lot of football games. Yeah. But then you add in the two interceptions, especially the one right at the end, and, and that's that one little thing that just you know broke it, and you lose by six. So yeah. you know if you clean that up, you have a perfectly serviceable. You know, a good starting quarterback. I think. Yeah, and and even on the other side of the ball, Saxe has been solid. I mean, that front four, Hunter Spears, um, who broke out as a sophomore on the defensive line, uh, was injured all last season. He's committed to Notre Dame. You wondered, well, is he going to be the same player? Um, he's proving so far. He's probably even better of a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the first two games, he's just been a force on the defensive line. Twenty tackles, five tackles for loss, several quarterback pressures, and he's not alone. Clark Yarbrough, Josh Stafford, these guys had big games last week. They're really good in the middle with Bryce Robinson. He's a Texas Tech pledge. He had 13 ta- He averaged, he's going to basically average 12 to 15 tackles you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. this season. He's just that active. Jordan Brooks is another player that stepped up around him. You know, th- Trinity thrashed Waco, a good Waco Midway yeah. team in that first mm-hmm. week, 37-7. They rolled up 295 yards on the ground. Well, Saxe held them to 2.8 yards per carry. Yeah. And the la- 34 that came on the last play when Trinity was, they were just trying to strip the ball and trying to make a turnover because Trinity was trying to run out the clock. Uh, Coppell, pretty much the same way. Coppell, you know, averaged 4.8 yards a carry, but most of that was on three plays. Outside of that, they it was like less than three yards a carry. Mm-hmm. So that front seven is very capable. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the secondary. I mean, they gave up 149 yards to Coppell passing and 105 to uh, Trinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, any if you allow less than 150 yards per game, any coach will take that. Uh, they got a playmaking safety in Mike Buchanan, who had a 100-yard interception return for a touchdown that first week. You know, Braylon Books, P.J. Barber. They have capable back guys in that secondary. So, you know, they're just a, a player too. They're not like we y'all both said they're not your conventional 0-2 team. Yeah. So what about let's just look at this matchup specifically. I mean, mm-hmm. just what about this matchup on Friday to each of y'all? You know, which what, what part about this matchup jumps off the page most? What part are you looking forward to most in Saxe v Plano East? I think for me, it's it's the duality of the Plano East offense. I think the fact that you know the the Panthers feel like they can come out and and prey on whatever the defense is doing to try to stop the other thing. If that makes sense, I know it's a lot of words talking in circles, but you know if you load the box and you're going to try to stop the run game um, and, and work from there, then then Plano East is going to go outside and spread you out and, and be up tempo and and work from the passing game. If you you know double up Jalen Anderson and, and you're focused on the receivers and go outside, then they're going to run up the middle or they're going to you know they're going to take advantage of what they can get on the ground until you bring guys back in and keep you honest and they're going to throw the football again. So I think that that kind of multitude is important for them to be successful. Um, and, you know, by the same by the same token, it's it's important for the Saxe defense to come out um, and have success in both facets. I think if Saxe, you know, leans on their defensive front and says, okay, we're going to stop the run, but gets a little blind to other than that, you know, things other than that, then, you know, all of a sudden Josh Allison is going 70 yards down the field before you before you realize it, and, you know, you're not getting anywhere. So I think that probably the key to East winning or Saxe, you know, winning is, is whether or not Plano East can be as multiple and be as varied as they have been through the first two weeks. Because it is fair to say that on paper this is a, is a much different kind of passing offense mm-hmm. than what either Capel or, or Trinity can, you know, bring. <coughs> obviously with Trinity, you know, I think 14 times is actually, that's pretty high for Trinity. <laughs> yeah. Passing wise. Kind of 104 yards passing. You know, and Capel in their opener, I mean, they were breaking in a brand new starting quarterback, mm-hmm. plus their, you know, their top receiver, you know, was, uh, you know, was their first game without 
about him as he's now you know off just going strictly baseball. Um, you know, so while they've you know, on the one hand they've only allowed 126 and a half passing yards per game, um, they have allowed a completion percentage of 74 and a half. So not, I mean, they're at least limiting the big play in that aspect. But that's where Plano East kind of that's the difference with you know these previous two opponents in Plano East is they have you know three four guys that can all punish you if you're you know, if you're not disciplined enough. Um, Devin, what about this matchup? Just jumps out to you, and what are you looking forward to most? I, I want to see if the Saxy offense can find its stride. Mm-hmm. Um, this team is used to averaging around 50 points. They've mm-hmm. done it for years. Uh, the 14 they scored last week was that the the previous low before that they scored seven against Colleen Shoemaker in the playoffs mm-hmm. back in 2015. If you remember, if you, anybody saw that Shoemaker team, they had six, seven D1 guys. Yeah. I mean, they were a, a force. If they had any offense that year, they probably would have contended for the state championship. Um, after, beyond that, you have to go back to 2010 when they scored seven points against Garland. And 2010 is back when Saxe was still trying to make the playoffs for the first time. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not, yeah. even when they lose, they go down swinging. Mm. So, I, you know, I'm just really curious to see if, we, we talked about the rhythm, but uh, the other thing is the big play. And they've had, in the first two weeks, they've had seven plays of 20 yards or longer. They're used to seven plays in a single game, 20 yards or longer. Their longest run of the year is 25 yards. Longest pass they did. Anthony Beltran did hit Derrick Rose mm-hmm. in a 50-yard touchdown pass last week. Mm-hmm. But I just th- there's too many playmakers both in the in the running back position and at wide receiver where they're, they're capable of more. And I think that's right. where they're going mm-hmm. to be preaching. You know, you know, to open to stretch the field. Obviously, once they do that, the consistency of just moving the chains and, mm-hmm. and putting together drives will come. Yeah. So that's I think that's my big thing is to see how they try to open up the field and really take advantage of that team speed that everybody when they see Saxe says, "Wow, yeah. those guys right. can fly." I think they had to have some success in the backfield, too, because they ran K.J. Williams and Sean Coleman um, last week at the Cotton Bowl, and both looked fine. It's not like they looked bad, but they didn't combine for 100 yards. I think Coleman yeah. had 37 and Williams had 43. Yeah. So for you know when you're, when you're facing a team like Plano East that has a good secondary and a Tyler Owens in the secondary, um, you can't have you know two running backs. Even if you're going to split time, you can't have them each going for less than 50 yards. You have to find a way to kind of chug on the ground a little bit and, and keep them honest and not just say, okay, we can sit back on Beltron and make him try to beat us yeah. um, with, you know, Tyler Owens back here and, and we'll figure it out that way because I don't think they can run the ball, you know, as efficiently as they, they hope they can. So I think that's kind of a big key, too, if they can, even if they're going to go split backfield, that's that's not the issue. I think it's getting one or both of them to have a little bit more success and, and, and bust some longer runs and, and keep Plano East honest. So... Where do we lean as far as a winner for this game? Give me your picks, gentlemen. I have um, the 0-2 team beating the 2-0 team. Um, for the reasons I mentioned before, I think the Saxy playmakers are kind of due for a breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think they've played tougher competition. I think Coppell mm-hmm. and Euless Trinity. Now, you know, eight weeks from now, we'd be talking about playing always and Allen going for an undefeated showdown. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I doubt it. But we might be <laughs> not. Um, but I just, I think you look at, at you know, it's really hard to get mm-hmm. to judge Plano East because, you know, they, they took on the L.D. Bell team and handled them, but yeah. you know, L.D. Bell team went 1-9 last year. Yeah. Uh, they, they were impressive on paper against Lake Highlands. Again, I heard somebody mention in the podcast on Monday, but Lake Highlands was a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Well, they yeah, played in yeah, that yeah, distance. Right. Yeah. And, and, I mean, the teams that they played that were 
legit playoff teams in my eyes, Capel and Jesuits, mm-hmm. they couldn't handle and they ran into Saxe in the first round and Saxe disposed of them. Um, you know, Saxe, even at its best, even with all the talent they have on defense, it's still going to give up some points. Yeah. Um, they just are. And uh, But I again, I think they kind of have a breakout. I think big plays, special teams could be another factor because mm-hmm. Saxe has burners out there. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the week they, they kind of break out. They use that experience from the first two weeks. And I'm seeing, not a blowout, but maybe a 31-24, 34-27 I took Pointo East, um, and I think for me it came down to, you know, looking at the defenses, I think both have their strengths, and I think both are good defensive units this year. Um, So if you're going to call that, not necessarily a wash, but if you're going to call that largely even and and consider that both teams are going to put up some points, um, I think you have to look at the quarterback position. And I think Brandon Mallory is, is... has shown that he's extremely mature this year. He's very comfortable running the offense. He's very comfortable with the reads he has to make. Um, he's obviously very comfortable with his wide receiving core. Um, and I think that you know the Plano East passing attack uh, is is going to bring a different different look uh, that Saxe hasn't quite seen yet. Um, and and I think it will be close. I'm not sure exactly how much I had East by. Maybe seven in my my preview this week. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. Obviously, I agree with it as as the choice for game of the week, but. I think the East offense is is really clicking on on another level, um, and I think that you know it's it's going to take a, a pretty stout night from Saxe uh, in the secondary, especially to to slow it down and not get mm. just outgunned. Because even if you know if you get in a shootout with Plano East this year, it seems like if you're getting into a game where both teams are in the 30s or 40s, that's going to be a tough game to win because they're just so explosive. So I, I think that's where I came down. But you know it's 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 not quite a coin flip for me, but I mean it's close. It's going to be a great one. Um, I'll just, you know, just for a tiebreaker, I'll <laughs> just for obviously I won't, you know, go as long. I'll just give kind of a Cliff Notes version of here where I'm leaning. Um, I took East as well, more so just out of, I don't know, just kind of a feel for, I feel like they're a bit more solidified in their identity mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball right now. It does feel like Saxe's offense is still kind of ironing out some kinks, trying to find its way. And I mean, granted, that's taking a bit of a leap of faith because obviously, you know, we know that East defense had its, you know, they mm-hmm. had their, their down moments last season. It's a group that's come in with a very renewed sense of, uh, of confidence. Yeah. and continuity from this last year. This will definitely be the week that they figure out if they're for real, I think. Or at least the beginning of that process. Because, I mean, so far, like I said, on paper, I mean, they've they've looked apart as far mm-hmm. as, you know, trying to, you know, this, this march to redemption that the East defense has been on. They've allowed just an average of 136 yards per game, 104 against Lake Highlands, albeit in a rain-shortened game. Mm-hmm. But still the majority of the game got played. 168 versus LD Bell. So they've, again, they've looked apart, not just Tyler Owens, mm-hmm. you know, in the you know in the secondary, but also either cornerback, Zach Nwachiku, uh, Josh Blagasi within mm-hmm. the front seven. I mean, it's a group that, I mean, I, I don't know, like it's a bit of a of faith because I know that they've you know they can be we can be burned by them in the past mm-hmm. we've seen what happened last season so it is just kind of going on a hunch that you know that they'll be able to uh, hold their hold up their end enough because I do think that East you know offense and Saxe's defense in a large part you know I don't want to say they'll cancel each other out but that will be uh, I, I think the uh, the disparity between the uh, the Saxe offense and the East defense you know a bit more in East favor is where this game will be uh, decided so yeah I'm kind of in the same neighborhood as y'all I mean I'll be covering this game so I foresee a game that's probably decided by you know four to seven points. I think it'd be a very competitive one, and that's a look at um, at our game of the week. Um, obviously, though, that's just our standpoint. What about one of these star players for one of these two teams? What do they have to weigh in on this one? Well, uh, Taylor, you swung by Plano East yesterday to chat with their star quarterback Brandon Mallory on East two and start on the big game on Friday against Saxe, and we will see what Brandon had to say after a word from the sponsor. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD Painting has got you covered. At ATD Painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they, uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD Painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, once again, ATD Painting, they've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. How's it going, everybody? This is Taylor Raglan with the Plano Star Courier. I am out here at Plano East today with Plano East senior quarterback Brandon Mallory. Um, Brandon, obviously, you guys starting two and zero with wins over Hurst, Eddie Bell, uh, and over Lake Highlands out of the Cotton Bowl last weekend. Uh, thanks in no small part to the offense and, and the passing game uh, specifically. So, how are you guys feeling uh, being two and zero, and what have you liked so far? Uh, well, first, I want to thank my linemen. I don't think they get enough credit for uh, the job they do. They're doing a great job these past two games, and uh, I think they're going to do a great job going forward. Uh, I'm excited that we started off the way we've started. Um, looking forward to the game uh, this week against Saxe also. Yeah, that game uh, looks to be our, our game of the week. You guys in Saxe, a an 0-2 team in Saxe, but a, a pretty good 0-2 team. And you guys obviously 2-0, but should be a good matchup. What are you looking forward to uh, as you guys take on the Mustangs? I'm looking to forward to a great competitive game. Uh, I know they're going to be well coached and well prepared. Uh, we are too, so uh, I think it's going to be a, a challenge and a battle. Speaking of the offense, uh, obviously uh, some some pretty good experience on your end handling the offense and, and a, a pretty mature uh, quarterback uh, play so far this season, just uh, being comfortable in the system. But how much does it help uh, having the receivers that you have and, and the talent that you have out wide? Yeah, it's a, it's a great help. Uh, I can't thank them enough. They make me look good always. So uh, just uh, I love giving them the ball, and they love getting the ball. So. Right. So. The offense gets a lot of the credit, I think, in general for you guys' wins. You've had some pretty uh, some pretty big wins, and, and obviously the 36 nothing shutout last weekend. But I mentioned the shutout because I think y'all's defense is, has had a pretty good year so far as well, coming off a, kind of a down year last year, um, going 3-7. and seven, and, and obviously the, the 599 game is kind of a, a sticking point. Yeah. So how much has defense been an emphasis for you guys, and, and how proud are you of that unit so far? I'm very proud of them. They've really, really impressed me throughout these two games. I think uh, they're the main reason why we a lot we were allowed to put up so many points. They uh, shut out. They had a lot of third down stops and. They just gave us the ball, and we scored and did our job. Right. I mentioned your experience in the offense. Obviously, you've been the starter for several years now. How do you think that helps you um, kind of feel comfortable back there and, and run the offense as efficiently as you have been? Uh, I feel very comfortable back there. I think it's really, like I said, it's my O-line also. They've done a great job protecting me and giving me enough time to deliver the ball to my receivers and allow them to make plays. 
But uh, yeah, I feel very comfortable and very I fit very well in that scheme. Speaking of uh, veterans, I know this was the first year that you guys had player-elected captains, and I know that you are one. So how has that panned out so far, and, and how have you guys kind of taken it upon yourselves uh, as captains to kind of lead this team and, and be those senior leaders that you guys need? Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for us to be held accountable and to lead our team that we need to lead to uh, go to the state championship. We have goals and uh, aspirations that we want to achieve throughout this season. So. Right. Heading into the matchup with Saxe this weekend, uh, the last non-district matchup, uh, how do you guys think you match up with the Mustangs, and what do you think are some of the keys to this game and some of the keys for your guys if you uh, if you want to take home a victory? Uh, come out fast, play hard, and uh, we just limit our mistakes and limit our uh, turnovers. Just take care of the ball, and, you know, we'll, we should come out with a dub. Speaking of taking care of the ball, you guys have had a pretty solid uh, running game so far this year uh, to kind of balance out the uh, the pass attack and, and keep defenses off balance a little bit. So have you seen that, I guess, for you? And, and how does that uh, make your job easier knowing that, you know, the run game is always also an option and it's not all on your shoulders? Yeah, it helps a lot. It balances out just the offense in general. I think uh, it keeps the defense on their toes because they don't know what's coming and uh, it helps us a lot. Right. I guess the last thing then is uh, if you guys go out and take care of business this week and, and hopefully get that 3-0 start that you guys want, um, how important is that heading into 9-6-A, uh, a tough district full of a, a lot of good football teams, and, and hopefully heading into uh, the postseason as you guys try to rebound from that 3-7 and seven year last year? Uh, it's very important. We want to at least come in, even though it's not a district game, we still want to come in 3-0 and and have that perfect record because, you know, it's always important to be in the standings. You always want to win, of course. So Right. All right, Brandon. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, for coverage of that game, playing Lease versus Saxe this weekend, and all other uh, Week 3 matchups, uh, Texas high school football matchups in the area, you can visit StarLocalMedia.com. Thank you. Thanks again to Brandon Mallard for taking the time to chat with Taylor. In anticipation of our game of the week, as voted on by y'all, the readers and listeners, Plano East versus Saxe. Um, obviously, that's not just the uh, that's not the only big game on the docket this week. Got plenty more. Some pretty solid matchups, all things considered. So let's quick hit some of the other big games that are that are on our coverage docket. Um, a game between uh, this game could very well decide the district championship. Mm-hmm. We've already, that's right. We're three weeks into the season already. Uh, yep. We've got district play underway in the in the nine team seven five a division two district. A rematch of last year's by district playoffs: Frisco Reedy versus Lake Dallas. Uh, that one is Friday seven o'clock out at Falcon Stadium. Um, I mean. A lot of the same pieces are back from last year's meeting. That mm-hmm. meeting won by Lake Dallas, uh, 37-34, albeit in a very dramatic fashion. They were trailing that game 28-16 in the third quarter. Had to make a furious rally behind the arm and the legs of uh, quarterback Ryan Depperschmidt. He's back doing his thing, as is Reedy's Josh Foskey. It is as good a QB battle as you'll find in the Metroplex at the 5A level. Um, that's, that being said, I mean, with as, as competitive as this game was last year, the picket line seems to uh, to kind of disagree and thinks that this is going to be a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a walkover, but I yeah. think that uh, <laughs> at least through two weeks, um, there really wasn't much uh, much debate here. I mean, it seems like Frisco Reedy is the uh, kind of feels like they have an edge right it's now. A little bit of a, it's a little bit of a surprise sweep in the picket line. This mm-hmm. is one of those games that I thought would be at least, you know, maybe 4 2, if not a clean split. But I think that Reedy has just shown, um, you know, kind of an all around. 
success and, and a team that's that's good on a lot of different fronts in the first two weeks. Where Lake Dallas, uh, I'm not going to say they haven't shown that, but but Ryan Debersmith is is unquestionably the thing that makes that team go. Um, he's been outstanding as usual, um, accounting for nearly all of their touchdowns in one way or another. Um, and and they've looked really good too. But I think right now, just the way that Reedy came out against West, uh, that 32 point victory and, and taking care of business, and then um, handling the Colony last week. Uh, it's it's that wasn't a handling calling. Yeah, they calling gave them Han- by handling. Yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. the fact that they came out on top, yeah, not yeah. that they handled them in a way that you know the colony was bad or anything. Yeah. But I think just kind of the the resumes to this point, and and just kind of the eye test maybe yeah. a little bit, coupled with the fact that you know the way Lake Dallas won that game last year wasn't exactly convincing. It was a it, it was a crazy comeback and, mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. So, um, but with us going you know full sweep for Reedy, that means Lake Dallas probably <laughs> will probably take it because that's how it usually works. Test- for Lake Dallas' defense. I mean, that's a unit that, um, you know, they're, Lake Dallas is almost like, uh, kind of like McKinney North in the sense that they've just had this reputation as mm-hmm. kind of an offense for a team and a team that needs to win, like 37-34 style shootouts. Um, you know, Coach Mike Young has said that this defense, he thinks, could be the, one of the best ones they've had in mm-hmm. quite some time. A lot of experience back on that side of the ball. This will be a very fascinating litmus test to see what they can offer because, I mean, the weapons, whether it's Josh Foskey, whether it's Arizona State commit, uh, Nolan Matthews out of tight end, I mean, they've got some weapons um, that will test uh, Lake Dallas in a way that, uh, you know, Denton and Frisco Centennial just can't. And, and I, I thought, you know, just kind of looking at the numbers, you know, obviously Josh Foskey, but I just, again, they spread around. They have yeah. a deep mm-hmm. running back stable. They have a deep, you mm-hmm. know, core of receivers. Whereas you look at Lake Dallas, it's Ryan Depperschmidt is not a one-man show, but they rely on him a lot more than than, than, than Brady does right. Josh Foskey. Yeah. And, um, you know, after getting torched for 385 and five touchdowns a year ago, um, you know, that's it serves as a blueprint for how to stop them. Not yeah. that they can, but, yeah. you know, they, they've seen it before. And so, you know, I think I think they have that kind of motivating factor. I think they have the film. I think, you know, they'll be more prepared. Rather than having a week, they probably have been eyeing this for, for yeah. months. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I do expect it to go down to the wire, just like last year. Um, you know, that was a 37-34 game that Lake Dallas was able to pull out crazy late. Um, but I think it goes down to the wire again. But this time it's Freedy that's, uh, Reedy that's able to pull it out. We um, Yeah, the picket line was a clean 6 sweep for Reedy. So we shall see. There's that bulletin board <laughs> material you for you, Lake Dallas. Prove us wrong. Um, another big game in the uh, in the Frisco area. This one is actually a Thursday night game. Um, this is a, a matchup between Frisco Lone Star and Highland Park. A doozy of a matchup at the 5A level. You got number two Highland Park um, visiting. I believe they're playing at Memorial Stadium in Frisco mm-hmm. to take on number four ranked Lone Star. And these are state rankings, not you know. Regional I was going to say we go yeah, from yeah. a district championship game to potentially two teams with a shot at the state title. Yeah, I mean, two teams level. that have just been just lighting it up to start the year. You've got Lake Datley on you know Lone Star, which has the number one ranked offense in 5A through two games. Four hundred. 65 and a half yards versus the number two offense in Highland Park, 465. So <laughs> um, the uh, the difference is, though. I mean, I mean. Highland, uh, Highland Park, yes. Highland Park is, I mean, when you're, you know, taking wins off of Rockwall and Mesquite Horn, teams that went two rounds deep at the 6A level last season, I mean, they have, uh, I mean, they just, they do what they do every year. Two-time reigning state champions, they just reload, and they've got one of the, uh, maybe the best quarterback at the 5A level right now, and then Chandler Morris, who has got a 150-yard lead already on the uh, on the rest of the field for the 5A area passing title. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it'll be, I mean, Lone Star's defense has been uh, just lights out and just allowing, you know, 188 yards through two games. Um, they've outscored their opponents 93-8. to eight. <laughs> And then one touchdown was 
in garbage time yeah, when they were you know up forty to nothing. So I mean, they've, they've done what they uh, what is expected of a team with that kind of uh, you know prestige. But I mean, yeah, I mean when you just look at that, uh, kind of just like we were saying about Reedy, with just the optics and the eye test, and just when you're you know you're doing you know showing what you did against the uh, you know the kind of firepower that you see at the six A level. I mean that's just that weighs a lot in this pick. So that's why I ultimately sided with Highland Park in this one. Yep, same thing for me. I took Highland Park. I think it's it's just one of those cases where it doesn't quite feel like picking Allen at this point, but it feels kind of similar in that why, what reason do I have to go against Highland Park right now? Until I have a, a very good reason to go the other way, I'm going to take the Scots in pretty much pretty much every game they line up for. No, if you need a very good reason, Devin. And it, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's, it's tough. I mean, Highland Park yeah. has lost six regular season games in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's, it's really tough to pick against them. Um, you know, I was keeping an eye on that rock, uh, the, the game against Horn last week, and, and Chandler Morris, who threw for 360 and ran for about 20, I think, the first mm-hmm. week against Rockwall. You know, him and Finn Corwin hooked up four four times for touchdowns. Horn actually did a pretty good job outside of that combination, but they just simply couldn't stop that combination. You know, Chandler Morris, as you mentioned, not just with his passing numbers, but one of the best dual threats. Yeah, he can scoot too. Uh, yeah. You know, Benner Page has, has been solid out of the out of the backfield, and again, Lone Star, there's just. There's so many questions because they haven't been challenged yeah. in these first two weeks. And so, you know, they've gotten good performances from, you know, Julian Larry at quarterback and Quinn Maloney and, and people like that. But those people are on the bench by halftime mm-hmm. and have been able to spread it around. So it's really tough to tell. I picked Lone Star just on a hunch. If this mm-hmm. game was at Highlander Stadium where they haven't lost since oh, 1999, yeah. <laughs> there's no way I'm picking Highland Park. But I just think, I think Lone Star mm-hmm. is, has been one of those teams that's proven they can play with the top teams in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll be more rested. I think they'll, they'll, they've kind of hidden their playbook, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. because they haven't had That's to unveil anything. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to go down the wire. It wouldn't surprise me. This was another coin flip, you know, right. basically. I just, this time I get the nod to Lone Star. Picket line was full of coin flips this week. <laughs> or this week, I mean. Matt lined it up for us. A, a tough one. So that's how it's supposed to be, man. <laughs> so um, yeah, as far as the picket line goes, you know the uh, the majority favored Highland Park in this one by four to two margin. And that's a nice segue to um, another game that's um, very highly anticipated: Allen and Capel. <laughs> we talked about a six-year sample size. Allen has only lost one regular season game over the last six years. It was to Capel yeah. <laughs> back in 2012. A, a fun game that uh, went to overtime, 27-24 in favor of the Cowboys. The very next week, some kid named Tyler Morey or something yeah, like that got some conversion punter I think yeah. he, uh, he got the not a quarterback and uh, apparently I guess Allen's been doing okay since then so um so yeah Allen um, obviously uh, yeah Capel shares that uh, that distinction of being the last team to uh, you know to put in it to hang an L on Allen during the regular season that game was also at Buddy Eccles Field where Capel is notoriously difficult to play um, as far as uh, you know Allen's been back there once since then back in 2016 they won that game 42 to 20 um, Allen has I mean much like you know a team like Lonser they haven't really been you know challenged much yet which is odd considering that they opened against a program the caliber of Mesquite Horn uh, you know they won that game 40 to 0 and they were leading 52 to 0 in the fourth quarter against Utah East before yeah, so yeah Allen's defense didn't allow its first points of the season until the fourth quarter of the second game it means they outscored teams 92 to 0 before Utah got a couple garbage time touchdowns on Allen's string it, it very well could have been <laughs> um, you know so I mean it's it's your typical Allen defense they're always quick out of the gates especially up front they've um, I mean, they've had to replace their defensive ends several years now. But it just doesn't matter. They just 
replenish and reload as a school with nearly 7,000 kids will do. But, um, um, but um, yeah, I mean, they'll have their hands full, I think. That should be probably, I guess, on paper, the most fascinating aspect of this matchup is Allen's stout defensive line led by guys like Jaden Jernigan, Seth Mason, Emmanuel Nacor going against a Capel offensive line that is as big as they'll see all yeah. season. Um, Capel's notoriously strong in the trenches. They got one of the more physical running backs that you'll see in the area, a kid named Ryan Hurt, who, I mean, yeah, no pun intended, that's, uh, he stays true to that last name with the style of play. He was a, uh, you know, Coach Gamble talking with him earlier, he was comparing him to like, you know, uh, Larry Zonka and yeah. Jim Kick and Norm Boulash and dropping all <laughs> How sorts of... How many people watching this are like, what? Who? Yeah. All sorts of, yeah, I wonder if yeah, Ryan Hurd's ever been compared to Norm Boulash before, but dropping all sorts of just old school running backs, and that's just the kind of just hard-nosed, rugged approach that Hurt brings to the end. He had a success last year against Allen, averaging you know, four and a half yards per carry, which is strong considering how most running backs traditionally fare against them. Um, but, you know, I still side with the Eagles in this one. It's just tough to go. I'm with just the how yep. hot Allen's defense has been to start the year um, with, you know, Capel again. They're, you know, that's, it's, it's an offense that is still, I think, through two games, still trying to find its identity. You know, they were efficient, if nothing else, against Saxe. Um, they don't necessarily have the uh, the big play explosiveness that they had, you know, in years past with Brady McBride and, you know, Blake Jackson, you know, Gabe Lemons. Still trying to develop that. And, um, you know, Allen's just, uh, that's just a tough, that's a tall order to draw just your third week of the season. Yep. I mean, I fall on this one the same way I did for, for Highland Park and Lone Star. I mean, Allen is Allen is the example of a team that that I'm not I'm not going to pick against unless I have a very very convincing mm-hmm. reason. Um, and you know that win five or six years ago, however long ago it was at this point, isn't isn't that reason for me. Um, so I mean, it's 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 I'm going with the Eagles pretty much every week until <laughs> they give me any reason to believe that they're not going to steamroll somebody. Well, and, and Coppell is always you know they have that. That they're well coached, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and they're the one team that they don't. Sh- they're not going to be intimidated by Allen. No, and they, not at all. And they played Allen no. tough year in year out. Yeah. I mean, it may not sustain to the end. Allen may get them late, mm-hmm. but you know they always play them tough. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, Jonathan McGill and K.J. Liggins, they're yeah. two two-way playmakers. They really haven't incorporated them on offense too much. Mm-hmm. That may be something they say for later in the season and say this is a non-district game, we're not going to do it. Right. But Or do they try to throw a curveball and maybe incorporate them to the mm-hmm. offense a little bit more to, to catch Allen off guard? Because those are two athletes that, I know Allen has great athletes, but they mm-hmm. are tough to match up with for any team. Yeah. That being said, even if they do, no, I'm the same way. I, you can't pick against a team that just doesn't lose in the regular season. Yeah. So. Yeah, Allen's my pick. Um, this was not a unanimous pick, though, on the picket line. Not a sweep. A 5-1. to one, uh, Justin Thomas going with the Capel Cowboys mm-hmm. to score the upset. So we shall Wonder see. Greedy with more confidence this week than, than Allen. <laughs> Justin will be covering that game firsthand. So, uh, <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's round this out with a look at another uh, doozy in the, uh, in the Denton County area. Uh, the Colony versus Trophy Club Byron Nelson. This one's Friday, 7 p.m. out at Tommy Briggs Stadium. Uh, the Colony, two, uh, you know, two game, high-scoring games to start the year, albeit ones that were very uh, different from a productivity standpoint. Um, you know, they were able to get the better of North Crowley in Week One, 62 to 49. Mm-hmm. Ran into that Frisco Reedy buzzsaw last week, 33 to 24. However, they did get a, a nice little Sports Center top 10 highlight with Keith Miller's uh, okay. one-handed touchdown catch. Um, the, the most telling aspect of that game, though, was that the Colony. I mean, you know, first and foremost what to expect out of the colony and that is the running attack and just that brute force ground upon attack only 48 yards rushing against Reedy I'm looking to right the ship there against a Byron Nelson team that is looking for its first win they've had a run of tough luck against Arlington ISD um, they drew uh, you know Lamar 
in the first week. They lost that one, 56 to 38. However, they were they did much better against Arlington High, uh, you know, 37-34 yeah. loss. An Arlington team that just ran rough shot on Jesuit in week one, a team that we you know expect to be pretty decent in 9-6A. Um, weird, some weird numbers about uh, that Lamar game though. They uh, it was very uh, very Plano uh, Plano versus El Paso Eastwood, <laughs> if you if you will. They um, they uh, they ran 82 plays to just 43 from Lamar, so they had an almost a, almost a 40 play advantage in snap count, but they lost by 18 points. Got victimized by the big play. We know that the colony is capable of rattling off big plays, mm-hmm. especially on the ground um, with Jaden Abdallah, Miles Price, Price who can double as a as a pass catching threat and a special teams threat. Um, again, though that Arlington game though that kind of like that kind of reins me back in a bit because they were leading Arlington at the half in that one, 27 to 17. Um, they're going to uh, I mean they like to push the tempo. You know, they mm-hmm. said they you know ran 82 plays against Lamar. They ran 74 against um, you know, against uh, Arlington. So uh, yeah, I mean, it'll just be interesting just to see kind of how colonies uh, how the colonies defense acclimates to that kind of kind of tempo. But um, all things being considered, kind of a coin flip game for me. Yep. Both teams are expected to make the playoffs. I rolled with the colony in this one. Yep, I did as well. Uh, it was uh, I was thankful this one wasn't on the picket line mm-hmm. because this was I think a true you know heads or tails for me. But I went with the colony. Um, I like the the 33-24 loss to. Reedy. I think Reedy's a really, really good 5A football team this year. Um, and, and, you know, to, to lose by nine to them is, is you know, no mark on your record for sure. So um, not super confident about it. Don't know a whole lot about uh, Byron Nelson. They look they look fine. Uh, another probably stronger uh, 0-2 than just the record itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have the Colony edging them in, in a tight one. Yeah, you know, Keith Miller got all the headlines last week, rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, but Miles Price has been impressive. You know, oh, yeah. He mm-hmm. rushed for 100 and had 100 receiving yards in the opener. Um, he had another 100-yard receiving day last week. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Jaden Abdullah. They got guys at the skilled positions. The one alarming thing uh, that I look at at the Colony, even that game against North Crowley, 62-49. They get yeah. 684 yeah. yards. Yeah. And that's kind of, <laughs> you know, I, I understand the nature of games that are shootouts. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, if your offense is scoring so fast, your defense never has a chance to rest. Those things can get out of control. But that's a little bit uh, alarming if I were them. Uh, as far as Byron Nelson, you know, they have stayed close, but they've given up their share of points. They do use a quarterback rotation. Um, you know, Hudson White and Parker Turley have both come in and put up similar numbers, but just based on their stats, they look like they have similar similar skill sets. It doesn't look like they bring one in because it's a dual threat and one's yeah. a more traditional drop-back passer. It looks like they have similar uh, skill sets. They just haven't decided on which one. And I'm not a big fan of quarterback rotations. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard. I think it affects the rhythm. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it just disrupts things. I think it makes things more difficult. So maybe they decide on somebody this week. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm not a big fan of that. I just I think the Colin has too much on offense, too many at the skill positions, and and you know again Trophy Club, 56 to Lamar, 37 to Arlington, not enough defense. I think the Colony wins by about 10. Yeah. Right. Let's look at uh, five marquee games that are on the mar- on the uh, on the docket for our coverage area, gentlemen. What um what are your coverage plans like on uh, Thursday and Friday? What do y'all have lined up for the rest of the uh, of the coverage week for football? Thursday I will be out at Mesquite Memorial Stadium for North Mesquite, who has missed their game last week as they return to the field to try to build on their one and no start under new coach Tim Cedar. And they're going to be playing Fort Worth Pascal, who doesn't come to this neck of the woods very often. Nope. So that'll be an interesting game. And then I have another good one on Friday, uh, Rowlett and Plano, uh, two teams that have actually have some familiar, familiar, familiarity <laughs> um, over here in recent years. Yeah. They played the last two years. They've traded wins. So that's going to be out at Homer B. Johnson Stadium. Yeah. So we'll see what Rowlett was another team that missed their opening week and um, see what they can do against Plano who won that last uh, last season 41 to 31. 
How about you, Taylor? Friday, I will be out at Clark Stadium in Plano, where West will host Mesquite. Um, West 0-2, Mesquite, I guess officially now 0-1. Right. I think we got word they, earlier that they... They went back and forth yeah. all day yesterday, and finally the coaches talked it was, late. Yeah, it was 7 nothing at halftime. I, I think why they required so much deliberation. I know. Well, it officially, yeah. once the game, from the Mesquite ISC athletic office once it, it's uh, it, uh, one half is in it's, the books, it's official yeah. right but the grand prairie he didn't want that counting as a loss the coaches talked it over they said right. okay, it's not, let, let's just compromise it was seven nothing at half so it definitely yes. not deterministic yes. in any way so yes. i guess mesquite um you know oh and one with kind of the i mean they were headed halftime not a terrible performance obviously against grand prairie to be up so um that's that's one of the ones that i feel may be for a point of west team that's that's oh and two looked a little bit more competitive against flower mound um you know they're trying to get in the win column, and, and I think that one will be uh, pretty competitive, so I'll be out there on Friday with uh, coverage of that one. I'll be out at, um, out at Williams Stadium for our aforementioned game of the week between Plano East and Saxe. Um, other games that we have on the coverage docket, Justin Thomas will have you in. Uh, will have you out at, uh, out at Capel for Allen versus, uh, versus Capel. Uh, Brian Murphy will be covering um, two games. He'll be covering the two marquee Frisco ISD games. Thursday, he'll be out at Memorial for uh, Lone Star versus Highland Park, and then Friday, he has Reedy and Lake Dallas. Uh, Kendrick Johnson will be um, out in McKinney ISD Stadium on Thursday to cover Boyd versus Louisville. So, um, yeah, you can follow us along on Twitter. Gentlemen, what are your Twitter handles so they can follow you along for updates? At Devin Hassan, that's D-E-V-I-N-H-A-S-S-O-N. Mine is just at Taylor Raglan, Taylor spelled the normal way, and R-A-G-L-I-N. You can follow me at M Welch SLM. We'll be live tweeting updates um, throughout our games. Afterwards, you know, you go to our website, starlocalmedia.com, where we'll have our post-game stories, as well as video highlights, rapid reaction podcasts. Um, yeah, should be another another fun week of high school football. It's still early, but uh, still plenty uh, plenty to be decided. Some fun stuff on the docket this week. So, Go weather. <laughs> Good, yes, pro weather. I'm taking weather in the picket line yes. to lose. So, um, yeah, that'll do it for this edition of the Sarah Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to you all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? 
Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.